Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Mark's Paneth LLP, ranked among the top three forensic accounting firms in New York by the New York Law Journal for the sixth year in a row. Visit MarksPaneth.com. Home Depot posting first quarter profit that topped analyst estimates and raising its forecast for the year. Shares up two-tenths percent in early trading. Children's Place is up 9.1 percent. It reported first quarter profit that beat analyst estimates as well and also boosted its forecast for the year. Club, which plunged 51% last week after the surprise departure of its leader and disclosure of faulty internal controls, said the scandal is prompting investors to suspend debt purchases and spurring government probes. Its shares are falling 11%. Futures are lower. S&P E-mini futures down 2.5 points. Dow E-mini futures down 18. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 2. DAX in Germany is down 2 tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd. The yield 1.75%. NYMEX crude oil down 3 tenths percent or 14 cents to 47.58 a barrel. COMEX gold is little change down 20 cents to 12.74 an ounce. The euro, $1.1320, the yen, 109.46. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moscow, thank you very much. Brian Belsky is with us. He's uh, trying to get past his disappointment over the uh, the Twins' loss last night. Um, looking at, uh, at at the markets, uh, we were talking about earnings uh, beforehand. Um, to what extent, uh, in, in your mind, does uh, the stock market reflect what's going on in the economy these days? Um, that's a great question. You know, we've had a nice recovery off the lows um, from February. And from our lens, you know, we continue to think the S&P is going to close at 2100 for the year. So we're pretty much there. So I have to, you know, put my money where my mouth is. I think at, at the end of the day, you know, stocks, I think, are reflecting what's going on fundamentally. However, uh, there's a lot of different variables aside from, uh, the economy. We have the election. We have what's going on in China and the rest of emerging markets, uh, volatility from Europe. So, you know, I think the prior segment when we talked about the Fed potentially moving this summer is going to have an impact yeah. on stock prices on a, on, a, on an intermediate basis. Well, one more question then uh, to you as we move on in the morning. And Brian Belsky, I want to give you a massive shout out. Your resilient optimism has clearly been conveyed in the retail sales report and in the jobs report that we saw on Friday. When does the investment click in by corporate America? <laughs> You know, again, at the end of the day, I think they're waiting around to see what happens um, um, in Washington this fall. So we're going to blame this on Donald Trump? We're going to blame it on Paul. I mean, the thing to think about politicians is this, two things. We believe that politics have nothing to do with the absolute performance of the stock market. It can either enhance or detract the, the, the current the trend, right? So the trend right now is kind of sideways. You know, we think with with a more conservative – uh, administration, we're going to see more business friendly with a more liberal, uh, we're going to see a little bit more regulation and, and, and pressure. And I, so, so you can't fault corporate America for kind of sitting on its hands right now because at the end of the day, you know, stock prices have gone up, Tom, because they've been more yeah. conservative and they've built, built up their cash reserve. They bought back stock and they're paying dividends. Brian Belsky, thank you so much with BMO Capital, uh, markets on the equity markets again, 2100, the, the S&P at 2000. 67. Michael McKee, we mentioned Mr. Trump there. We somehow got Donald Trump into a conversation with Brian Belsky, our next guest, 50-50. Yeah, well, you, you know, nobody talks about politics or Donald Trump these days. It's been a long time since we've heard that name. Uh, 
<laughs> We've got Chuck Todd with us from NBC's Meet the Press. 11 o'clock and 3 o'clock, you can hear him here on Bloomberg Radio every Sunday. Uh, and uh, uh, Chuck, actually, I, I want to not talk about Donald Trump for just a second. I know it's very difficult, but today's primary day in Kentucky and Oregon. And Bernie Sanders expected to do very well in Oregon and may do well in Kentucky uh, Hillary Clinton has the delegates, but it's beginning to look like she may not be able to clinch the nomination before uh, you get, at least in bound delegates, before you get to Philadelphia. Well, right. It was always going to be superdelegates. I mean, Barack Obama didn't clinch uh, the nomination uh, in, in just bound delegates. Uh, he had to have supers in order to clinch it, too. So don't don't get caught up in that. But, yeah, no, today this is there's a reason why the Clinton campaign threw a little money into Kentucky is because they realized the uh, this wasn't they're sort of limping to the finish line here, uh, and they would like to oh stop this narrative of geez she's got this basically won but boy Democrats don't seem very enthusiastic about it in the rest of these states. Um, look the, the the May states in general on the primary calendar uh, are more Sanders like electorates in general. Um, they look like states that, you know, elect, electoral wise. So part of this is just the happenstance of the calendar and the order of the states. But, you know, it's, look, if Sanders, uh, we'll know early tonight because Kentucky is, uh, uh, polls close very early and they count their votes very quickly. So we'll know quickly right. whether, whether, uh, Clinton has anything to crow about tonight or not. Now, Chuck, before we turn to, uh, Donald Trump, is Secretary Clinton laying low, if you will? To not mm-hmm. use her gunpowder before she gets near convention and then on to the important end of the race is is quiet part of the model now. I wouldn't call it just that way. Like you know, she's not going to disappear. I think she is going to show up on the on the talk shows. I think we'll you know I think I'll be seeing her soon as my guest, and and I think you know maybe even a couple times before the convention. So no, they they don't think they can go totally underground because Trump he never goes underground, right? So you can't really uh, seed him that. Um, but I do think you're going to see her uh, take a step back a little bit. You know, you're, I don't think you're going to see her tonight, for instance. She's not going to worry about doing either a victory speech or any speech tonight. Uh, I think she's taking a couple days off the trail. I think you'll see her, you know, out in the States maybe three days a week uh, between now and the convention, which yeah. is about what you're going to see yeah. Trump. So that's what kind of pace you may see. Um, as I was told by people close to the campaign, you know, she's she, – She'd like to start getting her, uh, getting getting a little bit of rest right now before the uh, before the convention and general election push. Uh, interesting piece in Politico this week suggesting that uh, no, you know normally vice presidential choices don't matter all that much, but in this case they may by softening the edges of two candidates people don't particularly <laughs> like. But at the same time, this vice pre- the next vice president maybe. Uh, we may be going back to the Alban Barkley days, a, a warm pitcher of spit, because you got Hillary Clinton bringing along Bill Clinton and Donald Trump right. ain't bringing anybody along with him. I think you, you, you just point out what makes the job potentially unappealing to so many people uh, because of that. You know, could you really be a governing partner? You know, the last three vice presidents have actually been very uh, fairly powerful members of their respective administrations. You know, they all had pretty decent roles. Cheney, Biden, and Gore. Um, Gore being less of the three, but at the time, Gore compared to his pre- his predecessors was more active, and so it's really increased. So, I, I think 
particularly with Hillary Clinton, I expect her to name somebody that she's going to want mm. to view as a potential almost chief of staff level of advisor. Uh, with Trump, I don't know what he's going to do. I think part of, you know, part of his challenge is not everybody's going to want to want to um, be on his ticket. Uh, I think he's going to, I think he will find plenty of people that will want to do it, but the perfect candidates, uh, right. those that uh, I think they will not submit their paperwork to be vetted. Chuck, Chuck, Bloomberg View in the last 48 hours has had two terrific essays on 1816. I know you covered that election. And after the Civil War, where we figured mm-hmm. out how to pay our debt, this ended up with a Public Credit Act under President right. Grant in 1869. Sift for us the to the left of Sanders debt repudiation of Mr. Trump with the Republican left, the Republican mainstream, or other Republicans to the right of Speaker Ryan. I'm dumbfounded how that plays. Meaning that the this the, the this issue of the debt, like how important to take it. That he's going to work it big... like a real estate transaction. That seems well, he's to already, go. He's, he's already tried to back off of that. Agreed. Realized, yeah. Um, but that just goes to you. This is this was to me an example of how Trump um, speaks before he thinks, speaks before he studies. Uh, he did it on abortion, and he did it on this, where he didn't understand what the debt is. Okay, he didn't understand that you know. Treasuries are like gold bars as far as the world is concerned, okay? The equivalent of a gold bar. And so a U.S. Treasury, you don't mess around with that. And the minute you do, um, you know, it's forget, forget interest rates and forget people wanting to pull their money out. Um, but it would, it would, it would cause, it could cause major financial calamity. So I, I don't, I think that was a case of just, that's where Trump gets into more trouble. Is that he speaks before he thinks. Okay, the, he thinks he knows the right answers, the, and he doesn't. He doesn't study. Then quickly here, Chuck Todd, a oh, 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 wise one: Are the people around him teaching him to think before talk, or based on your experience with Mr. Trump, is that an impossibility? Well, look, he here's what's interesting about him: is that he knows when he needs to study up on something, and so he'll do it. He doesn't listen. You know, he will, he'll take some advice and for one or two days, he'll even heed it. Um, but at the end of the day, he has had his, he believes the success he's had in his life is because of his gut instinct and because of his mm-hmm. shrewdness. Yeah. And so I don't think he views outside advice as anything other than, well, just Tell me why that is, but right. you know, I'll decide whether I <clears throat> oh. need it. You know, that's just the way I work. Okay. Chuck, wonderful. Thank you for the perspective. Chuck Todd, of course. See him on Meet the Press, the moderator of Meet the Press Sunday morning. You could hear it on Bloomberg Radio twice Sunday afternoon. Another hour of Bloomberg surveillance.